All right, welcome to the Save the Parents podcast. I'm Jenny here with Adam, and tonight Yo. we're here to chat about the gig economy. Everything that seems to be kind of morphing and changing into letting people or enabling people to run their own gigs. I don't know about enabling people to run their own gigs. It's motherfucking mandatory. <laughs> it's mandatory to run your own gigs because what I notice is businesses are getting bigger. They're getting more versatile, but they're also getting more automated and they're getting more. What's the best way to say it? This is what's not true anymore. I'm not able to get a nice job, stay with my company for 40 years, get an awesome retirement, and be done. That shit is going away the dinosaur. And it's so, true. Unfortunately, I think it's an unfortunate thing. You're kind of stuck in the gig economy. It could be good or it could be bad. But right. but by gig economy, for those I'm yeah, guessing the gig everybody's economy, familiar it. with this. Yeah, but explain it. It's, but yeah, the gig economy is basically as this theory that as a lot of companies kind of change and morph in their position, a lot of, there's a huge opportunity for a lot of like secular contractors or people who kind of work um, in smaller groups within their own business or do more of a contracting role where people will come together for a particular project or gig and then disband when the gig is up. Um, so the option that it provides is that when you when you kind of start out and launch into that kind of thing you're able to kind of work with a a pretty good network of people who you'll probably end up seeing on a variety of different projects and you end up creating your own mesh of sorts so that you can kind of uh, pull upon or call upon your team of wizards and then come together, work on stuff, and then disband kind of as businesses require. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the context, the reason to talk about it is because what seems to be true is your, our kids, when they get to job creator age, right. job entering age, not creator, but they're literally going to have to maybe create their own job. Because they can't just go work some places because what maybe rightfully or unrightfully so, but when was the last time you saw a teenager working fast food? Unless you're in a small town. Like <laughs> shit don't happen anymore, right? Yeah, interesting point. Um because again, if you can go for more mature staff, you will. Right. Right. That's a side, a very tangent, but it's well, still the kind of thing I'm just trying to bring in more let's just say the parents podcast. So let's right. talk about it's not just what's going now, but like how I mean, part of it is we're trying to make good humans for society in the future. And this is what the future will probably be. Right. It's not going to be how it is now and definitely not how it was going to it is in 1990. Right. Well, that's the thing. I mean, when a lot of us kind of came out of out of high school, there was usually like a pretty good like push to get into college. And so usually you were at college. And then when you were done with college, the next logical step was you would look for a company to hire you and bring you in and you would be a full-time employee there, work your 40 to 60 hours so that you could start moving up the totem pole and get the extra vacation hours, whatever. Um, and it seems to be, it seems to be changing. So uh, 20 years from now, um, when kids exit college, provided they've gone to college, which is kind of a negotiable piece unto itself. Um, but as, as a 22 year old kind of enters the market, like it's, 
everything's gonna look very different. I mean, you're gonna have all kinds of different AI changes, um, thing like different industries will be there that are not here now. And a lot of the industries and traditional businesses that would have been at your career fairs may not necessarily be there. Um, and it may be, I mean, who knows? I mean, chances are, I mean, depending on what your kids end up studying, like if it's something where they can kind of have a side business on the side as they go to school um, or as they go to some it's form of, upon. right, some form of education where they learn how to program, maybe, maybe not a traditional university, then I mean, that yep. solves all kinds of different problems. Definitely programming is going to become more ubiquitous. I mean, when you think about what programming really is, it's just teaching a computer how to do shit that's boring. Right. And you're really trying to use it to solve a problem. And that's what the gig economy to me is. You're just having a bunch of people solving problems. It's just that those problems aren't boxed anymore. They're very nuanced and they're all over the place and they're very different. And I was wondering, since you brought it up, about the college, like how do you get, as a company, what they have been good for traditionally is giving you a good on-the-job, where you get your real education, a lot of people would say. Right. You know, so especially the older folk out there think experience is a lot more beneficial in education. It depends on the kind of education. depends on the kind of experience, obviously. not Right. So um, what was that little meme we saw? Experience is what you call when you did something and you didn't get what you wanted you called experience um <laughs> but the the thing i ask is how do you get better in the gig the gigs themselves like everybody kind of needs a yes. mentor and you're not going to use your parents your parents are those people that love you anyway and eventually you reject them that's why every teenager is a fucking asshole to their parents <laughs> and every adult as much as they love their parents um they can only take so much of them right because you're even you if eventually you're right. have to be even your own if person you've it doesn't matter. You can only go Blaze for so long, and there's obviously exceptions to that rule. But for the general rubric, the sitcoms are right in the 90s. Like, not everybody likes the in-laws all the time, right? So um, what? where does that mentor come from if it doesn't come from in the job itself? Like, do you find, do you think, like, we go back to apprentice to journeyman kind of stuff in different ways? Not just, like, building the once, like, the journeyman plumber, but because you need all kinds of other skills to just do a gig. It's not just about the one thing. It's about being able to do all the things. Right. Like, do you find somebody else who's mastered a lot of those and they take you under their wing for a while and then you kick out, you do gigs with them. Right. And then eventually you do your own gigs. Is it going to turn into that? Or I can see gonna, that. Uh, we're going to revamp the education system in time to handle this problem. Well, I would certainly hope for a revamp in the education system. It'd be nice for Good students, luck. Right, Good luck. Students to get that more value. That dinosaur will of all kick in the tar pit till she dies. Yeah, probably. So, but outside of that, assuming that that is of no help, I think there is. I think there is hope in a apprentice like journeyman kind of way. Like I, even as like in a contractor status, like for example, um, like if, if I would be, um, contracted out to write a business plan, there's elements of 
writing a business plan that could be done by a junior employee, like somebody who wasn't quite as well finessed at doing all of the charts and graphics and all of that, or even laying it out or knowing what it's supposed to look like, but they can help write all of the text and do everything that they need to do to help flush out some of the finer details or even putting things together, putting appendixes together, et cetera. And I think when, when you rope in somebody who can kind of help take the, those tasks that require less creativity, less kind of experience, um, then it gives them the opportunity to both work with it and around it kind of come to a, a level of kind of quality expectations, um, while at the same time offering a useful service in, in return. It's interesting because it's still, it's all very broad stroke still, like the gig economy, that's a broad stroke thing. So I think a little worth a little bit of time is trying to to unrip that out a little bit because that those, these are buzz terms. So let's tell people forget what the buzz terms are supposed to mean, I think. Okay. So... I mean, I would wonder when it comes to the gig. So let's give a stat that probably is false at this point, but maybe more true. Like, I think I saw somewhere that they said people who are millennials, which apparently is us, even though I'm 35, but whatever, fuck them. Congratulations. I know. I made it. Elder millennial. Hashtag elder millennial. Um, the, uh, the, we change companies every three years. And, and you know, it maybe there's something to do with their skill set. You usually have a dominant skill set, but the ability to move systems because a, a new company is a new system, and that's what the new yeah. gig really means. Like I'm doing a new gig with a new company who's doing this. I bring this to the table with it, along with a different other. Like we talked before about having skill stacks, and they're going to be very important. And we're not the ones co- coin that term, but the the idea of being able to survive in the new economy, which is gig based because nobody wants to like people on the payroll permanently are very expensive. Right. The money, there's more people than ever. The money's shorter and tighter and trying to get more efficient. And so the most efficient thing a company can do is where as it sounds is to contract people out because they're super cheaper than put them on the payroll. Depending and on they can they be are. temporary. And that's the whole point. They are temporary. Right. And so it's a temporary situation, a temporary gig. That's where the gig economy kind of comes from. Right. Right. And just why, like, and it's expanded and it's gotten moves. Like right now we got Uber drivers as a gig. People do like, there's all kinds of different ways it's been morphed, but that's what they mean by the gig economy a little bit. Is like sure. all these different things people can do and moving around companies because the companies don't want you permanently. Because if you try stay. You're too get, expensive. Or... They get rid of you. Right. You are downsized, if you will. Right. A lot of people heard that lesson the hard way in 2008, and people are still reeling from the downsizes. And that's kind of when the gig economy began, because you had a lot of professionally trained folks. Super took off, who yeah. were in one company with one very narrow skill set, and it was no longer needed because the company folded, and nobody wants to hire a 50-year-old, right? <laughs> So people were forced to figure something out, and some of the ones that were successful figured out about the gig stuff, and project right. management took off, and all those other things. So that's how I see the gig economy. It's different. It's moving around the different companies and jobs and efforts, using you know your dominant skill set and the other ones you gather, to bring that to the table. Sure. Right. Yeah. So. Well, I so going back to your like 
a millennial, somebody in the millennial generation moves companies every three years. So it's kind of interesting because in looking at some of the numbers I looked at as well, like a good upwards of 30% of, um, this is probably heightened, but like a good 30% of people were in self-employment roles or, um, so if, like, if there's a lot of movement between companies and there's a growth of the gig economy, why don't you think more people move out of the companies that they're in to start their own gig? Which company? I don't know. Well, so why do more people just, a lot of it's fear. I mean, you got something good and stable, it's obligation-based. Same problem we've always talked about. And if you go way back to our American Dream podcast, we might have to do a rebroadcast or something. So great is that revelation? But the point is that you get so obligated when you're in these things that you, if you were to leave your job to take the risk, well, think about what you're risking. If you got student loans, a mortgage, you got kids, you're, I mean, it wouldn't be wrong to say you're kind of being a little selfish, but a short-term selfishness for a long-term benefit. And so people don't really like seeing it that way. Plus, they also, it's very scary to just drop something stable. So if people are in a stable job, yeah, they're stable now, but three years from now, they're probably not going to be stable. And they might even know that. And they're probably doing some bullshit job anyway. But if you're in with a company that's really going to stick around, so there's a lot of big businesses that are going to stick around, they're just going to keep eating each other, right? Right. Was that Parks and Rec's last season when they're talking about America's three big corporations? <laughs> like, that is where it goes. Like, Amazon right. is doing what now exactly? Would we just watch a football game on Thursday Night Football on Amazon? They're a part of that. They have like a, a fucking grocery store. They have every product ever. They're starting what fucking handmade stuff, which is kind of cool. So people can like make their own stuff and put There's it on all Amazon. There's kinds of stuff going on. And then they right. can go buy it. And like that shit is, is crazy. And they're just, just that's a company that ain't going to die. So people that are working on Amazon and they got some job, although I've heard it's pretty awful. If you're in the wrong spot, the way it sounds like people won't let it go. Like those kind of companies are going to keep going. And sadly, I think a lot of people's dream at the gig economy, especially startups, tech startups in particular, is let me get a fucking cool problem that people aren't doing or doing something better than the current people are. And hopefully I get bought out by a bigger tech company and then I can bro down, right? Like <laughs> program, build up. Sell out, bro down. There's a South Park episode about that. I encourage everybody to watch it. But For that, that's what a lot of people dream. And that's what might be the case. You might be building something that the world needs in an entrepreneurial fashion um, with your specialized skill that you got in college. Like maybe you're a mechanical engineer and you fucking know the companies are crazy. And you're like, all right, well, I'm going to work on this problem. I have my own company. And then I'm going to do whatever. And eventually it's going to get traction enough where a bigger firm will take it. Right. And I'll sell out. And that's a lot better way to make a living in the long run than trying to find somebody to work for and push papers and be the fucking cog in the wheel for Forever. some big firm that probably won't care about you in four to five years because the money is like, hey, man, sorry, the money's a reality. I got to think about my kids' college education. Right. I can't be worried about yours kind of shit. Right. I know you've heard that line directly before. <laughs> but neither here nor there. The, the point is, it's it's not the same. The dynamics have become, I think, over the different line. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I mean, with, I mean, with all of this, I mean, you see a lot of the, um, I mean, 
bureaucracy is changing, right? So bureaucracy is is something that kept a lot of people in a lot of jobs for a long time. And as bureaucracy in various companies, governments, et cetera, has grown based on kind of like slow creep of uh, requirements, um, I think a lot of the bureaucracy is kind of what is, is changing with a lot of this AI integration. Um, and it's people kind of in... You're not the laborer and you're not the senior manager. It's the, yeah. I mean, and it's, and it, but it depends, right? Um, I think a lot of it from what I've read goes back to kind of the core, the core facets of the skills, like anything that has to do with like reading emotions, creativity, um, engaging, like engaging with people upon those lines is much more like people savvy, but then after that, like you end up um, kind of going into like anything that can like that involves like data entry or programming or Excel work or even like repetitive work uh, or work that's mostly repetitive between months becomes much more prone to automation. So a lot of these roles can kind of be truncated in different areas and then kind of put towards new positions and new people who fill those skill sets. Yeah, basically I think the the things machines can't do well will be what people need to fall into. Human interaction, art, the art of everything. Not just art meaning fucking paintings, but like right. the the creative thing in a field that moves it in a different direction that kind of stuff designing things Intuition creating things that visions visions predicting of where <clears throat> like the machines can do the raw predicting and probabilities but they can't do the how do we want to say this professional assessment well some of it i mean they'll be able to do a damn good job but i don't know if they'll be able to do stuff like I can't tell you why I know this, but we need to do this. I know what the machine Analyzing algorithm says. Analyzing power structures. <laughs> I know what the machine algorithm says is our probability of success is 0.15. We're fucking doing it anyway. And I don't know when they're going to get AI good enough to have that kind of, you know, for lack of a better word, balls. Like, when is the machine going to get balls? Be like, you know what? I know what the odds are. Fuck it. We're going anyway. And so those are the kind of roles people are going to fill. And that's what they're going to need to be able to do is have a little bit of guts and have a little bit of, you know, momentum. And in the art and creative, it's a creative world. And what you're creating and why you're doing it is what's going to drive your financial success. And by the way, what our kids are going to need to fall into. Like, what are you actually doing with yourself? Right. Right. What are you doing to society? And, and or is, is it something that somebody's already figured out? Right. right? Is it a. Like, go find some problems, right? So I don't know how you want to think about that. But. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, it, you've, yeah, the go find the problems is the big thing. Uh, and I think that's relevant for both parents now and kids 20 years from now is because there's always going to be, as there's dynamic shifts in society and culture, there's always going to be an opportunity for change. Uh, and changes and opportunities have new businesses that can pop up from it. There's new needs, new requirements, new people, and it will constantly change from now to forever. And there's big companies that can fill a lot of those gaps, but most of them, if not 
all of them at some point or another will be filled by by smaller gigs. Well, so here's the, but the better thing I think perhaps might be your assessment of those business opportunities. Well, here's the problem that people are going to have. And I already know it because you see them now. People are raising kids. They don't got the ability to be risky. You don't need instability when you're trying. You need stability. But what I'm, we're, I think we're trying to preach here is that it doesn't matter. It's not going to be stable. Right. Like you have to be comfortable with the change. Yeah. You can't be comfortable with the status quo because the only thing that's real is the status quo will change and it's going to be changing faster than it ever has. Right. And so that's only more true as time goes by. Right. Like you w- might be irrelevant very fast and then you might have to reinvent yourself. Right. Right. So there are, like we did already did a podcast on time with skills, but those and then a niche trying to solve a problem the gig let's solve the problem what problem are we trying to solve for society and how are we giving somebody something that nobody else has and if they have how are we doing it better how are we doing it with less resources or make their lives better or not like that kind of shit and so that's the real problem that people are going to deal especially parents is like i can't take a risk but you got to be really good about reading the writing on the wall because what you definitely don't want to do is find yourself in that fucking meeting room with the fucking head shed and they're like, hey, uh, so, you know, revenues are down, companies do whatever, we're downsizing half a force, and sorry, Bill, you're the one that's got to go. Like, you're not going to be that guy because Bill's got fucking a mortgage and three kids. And so when that day comes and it will come for everybody in some way they're not ready for, you know, you're going to be upset, but you're not without a plan because you always had one. You're already ready. Like there's right. other things you're ready to do. You're not fucking scared of your current system going down. Yeah. And that's the that's the culture shift that probably needs to start coming a little bit faster. People are so fucking scared of the status quo no longer being around. Um, number one, that right. sounds stupid. But second, it, it really paralyzes their decision making. Because if you find a way where, and you don't have to, like, loyalty is a funny thing because it barely works both ways. You know, you might have, and my Midwestern friends will know this, like, you have Midwestern loyalty or maybe you got it elsewhere. And I don't want to leave the company, but, you know, the company might leave you. And if it's, right. not, a one way, if it's not a two-way street, well, that's your sign to bail. Because right. at the first fucking sign of danger, they ain't going to be having your back. And that's not real relationships right right and so in a mesh network you're not really all all linked to, you're not dependent upon you know one company surviving and you guys running out and you guys got all kinds of stuff all kinds of gigs you have an opportunity to get and an opportunity to pursue and those right. that learn that learn that early are going to be the most successful early and probably turn into that version of a mentor for the next generation right who needs to adapt that way yeah yeah I'd say so. Um, but part, yeah. And I think on that too, like a lot of this goes back to, um, I mean, you want people to be comfortable with change and you want kids of next generations to be good and dynamic and resilient and great. But part of it is it has to start with the parents. Um, and it's super scary to leave the, the mindset of kind of the, um, like the, you have an employer, you have a full-time job, all of your benefits are covered, you have a predictable income. 
um, and go freelance style where you're right. you're running your own gig. You don't really know, like you have to find your work. Like it's not it's not just given to you Monday morning in the team meeting. Right. Um, but and it's scary. So part of it, like in the interest. Um, in the interest of of helpfulness, um, perhaps, um, what would you recommend that people like? Could people do to help be more comfortable with the change? Both parents and kind of rebuilding or kind of like enabling, throwing another iron in the fire, if you will, for um, if like to to be prepared or like to help enable this resiliency. And then set the example for kids. I guess number one is don't pretend like you're not going to be uncomfortable because you are. But you got to be comfortable with uncomfortable. You got to use it as a driving force. Be comfortable at uncomfortable. Yeah. When you become like when things change, you are going to be uncomfortable. But it can't be your first rodeo. Right. I mean, like you, you got to be able to understand that you're going to make it because you're going to adapt and change and move in a different direction. Right. So, and again, some of that comes with a little bit of success, the breach of confidence. Some of it comes with a little versatility and building yourselves more than one, like in, like say in poker, like I give myself more than one out, never leave yourself one out. That's like a rule in fucking poker. Right. Right. Don't wait for the one card in the deck. That's going to save your ass. Like be ready for 10 and approach life that way. Like, don't be ready for like, okay. Like say, you know, I, say something on this podcast and everything I've ever known goes away because of reasons, right? Like just forever, whatever, it doesn't matter why. But like being okay with being able to find something, like I'll figure it out. Right. And like get to that level. And if you have that kind of level, then you're okay with doing more than one gig. You don't need the one gig to stay forever. It's okay that the project closes because you're, you're ready to find another one. It can, right. Because it has to close. Because if projects don't close, then we don't progress. Right. Right. That's the problem. That's what we're supposed to be doing. People forget work is not for work's sake. Right. Right. Like there's supposed to be a grand purpose to all this crap. Right. How about that? It's okay for projects to close. It's okay for projects to close. What? I know. People can't handle that shit. <laughs> can't handle oh my it. gosh. I can think of more projects that have had a hard time closing that actual closed projects I've been a part of. You know, there's a lot of incentive to keep them open. Oh my goodness. Super incentive. Um, anyway, yeah. so there's a lot of room for changes in mentality, but I think you find yourself, fuck, I don't know what people will do in 20, 30 years or our kids, but our kids have got to be more comfortable with not, like when they come home, I don't even know if this narrative still exists, but definitely did when we were kids. Like, Go get a job with the company of Greg. Go get all your specialized training and be in this one company and survive. Like that shit. Be there for the rest of your life. Shit's gone. Right. Nope. Nope. And this idea that you're done learning when school ends is also fucking stupid. That shit's over mm. too. And you sh- that should have been over before we began. Everybody kind of knows that. And you just learn something else. What usually happened, actually, when people said that, was what you got a bunch of education and then you learned how people behave in the company you were stuck in. Right. And then you got really right. good at learning that little dynamic. Right. Um, but you should be probably learning about human behavior and tendencies and all the things people are capable of well before you start your work. Right. Like that's something that's built into the timeless skill set is fucking social dynamics and 
I can't even. I'm not even going to use the term. I reject the term social intelligence, but people are fucking hell bent on that. But the core concept is still there. You still need to know what people are like, how they operate, and what people value and don't value, and understand people are different, and learn how to use that to get the job done. Because the job is what really matters, right? Right. right? People get stuck in the in the please the boss mode of life. Well, the boss isn't what matters. It's the fucking project you're doing and getting it done and getting the work out to the people that need it if that's what you're going for. I know. Fucking what? heretic. What a heretic. What? Um, but it's hard to get involved in that when the guy who has all the power controls your life. Well, obviously, he's going to get all your attention and your focus. But right. again, it's not about the boss. It's about the work. Fucking heretic, right? Wow. How about that? I know. Fuck this guy. How about the, the <laughs> not what about the boss, it's about the work. It's idealistic shit about mission first and also the crap. So is that part of the value of the gig economy? Not working for a boss who well, distracts boss. that attention? Well, you make the, the, the end goal of the boss, right? Right. You Are we the achieving the end the goal? No, we're not. Well, then we need to work harder or work smarter, right? Like the, the, the project close is your boss. That's a tough thing to, for people to get. Like, no one person is better than the end goal. And that gets lost a lot of ways, especially in bigger hierarchies, right? Like, no, the one person becomes, you know, I'm sorry, Jeff, but Jeff Bezos, like, he's the one person that matters. Like, no, no, no. The mission is to get a bunch of awesome products to people really efficiently. Like, the fact that I can watch Thursday Night Football on my TV with Amazon Prime instead of fucking having to buy a cable package for 120 bucks to get channels I don't want and don't want to watch just to watch that one fucking game is fucking amazing. I don't know if people at Amazon had that in mind all the time. I would say a lot of them would be like, Jeff, whatever Jeff needs, or whoever the fuck is their boss, right? Because it's that kind of hierarchy, right? But the mission is what matters. Getting better shit for better people and improving quality of life in whatever way that you can with your skill sets and whatever gig you find better be doing that. Right. Interesting. Right. So improving quality of life. Wasn't that the goal? Yeah. Isn't that the goal here? Not just your own, but other people's. I mean, it's not ROI. It's not, it's, it's not, it's ROI. how can I be the most profitable or well, have the most power or. I mean, not to quote my Joseph Smith, but like, which I won't because I'm probably whatever, but if you're good at providing the in uh, betterment of the quality of life of people, you will be your own quality of life will vastly improve because you'll be rich. You will get profit, right? What does profit really mean exactly? I've I've gained more than I spent, and how you use it, right? You can reinvest that money, and if you're a nonprofit, you have to reinvest all of it, right? But you can do all kinds of stuff with with profit and everything. Else. I mean, main, getting more profit. The only reason to get really wrapped up in that is how much more I can do with it because I'm not done providing awesome shit. We're not even getting, we're just barely scratching the surface here. And that's why I do like some companies like, you know, like Amazon, as much as we fucking rail against them, like they don't stop providing good shit. Right. Like, and yeah, it gets a little fucking annoying that they're everywhere. And that is true. And Alexa is fucking the devil for the record. You know that Alexa. You're just listening to everybody so they can sell to them. Shame on you. But <laughs> that said, they still provide all kinds of good stuff. And I got to be honest, it's a lot more time saving for me to 
order shit on Amazon than go fucking the brick and mortar stores. The only, the only unfortunate reality of the world is that just means I do more work with my time instead of being more creative if you're in that kind of work. And that's what the gig economy would be. You'd be a little bit more creative in theory. And to the point where you might have your own you know, mini company, but it's just you and some other folks with your little specialized set among many. Again, you can't just have one. You need a lot. But you might be a really good fucking, I don't know, pick something. A good machinist, for example. I'm a fucking great machinist. I make metal do whatever the fuck I want kind of mentality, right? Wow. How about that? I know, right? And so you're by yourself now. You know, no big company. I mean, there's a couple of big companies. That, there's a lot of companies that need machinists. But like, say you're like, no, no, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be out there for people that need random stuff, right? Like, I'm gonna right. do a bunch of gigs. And so you might be really good, and you might have a little small team. But there's other things that you might need. Like, you might need some admin bullshit or whatever. Like some sales folks to help get your word out there. Like, oh, all, all this. And so maybe you contract other people to do those things. Like you right. maybe don't need those things. Like it's it's like the dynamic change, right? Like right. you don't need. I mean, how, what's the best way to say it? I don't know. Right, you don't need to do stuff that you don't want to do. Like you have the opportunity to leverage your creativity and attention into things that bring value. Well, shit, you Not can do stuff that people don't value, want to do. But you could right. do that. Right, and if you get your oodles off of it, then great. You're gonna make lots of money, and it's gonna a great work out accountant well. Or right, although they probably automated out, but. But yeah, I mean, I think the value comes in the ability to kind of more, I mean, it's kind of like a bonsai tree, right? Like you just like slowly chip it away to what you don't want to do and you figure out either better ways to do that or subcontract it out. And then, but, and then the other half of this is you get to have greater, once you start getting good at what you do and refine your product, you get to start to pick your customers. Right. Like you are the one in charge of your rates, your offerings, your products, whatever. If you don't like your customers, you can change it. And similarly, once like once you start getting going, you can pick your customers. If there's shitty companies out there that you don't like to deal with, that have ethics dilemmas that you don't agree with, you don't have to work with them. Like you can you can just cut them out and throw a variety of other companies in and they'll be fine. <clears throat> and they may pay a lot of money, but it's <laughs> Because they're tight. Hey. <laughs> um, but you have that you have that option and alternative. And you're not like out of your full income as a result of not working for that shitty person. Like you can you can go somewhere else and just pick up another customer and replace it. Like it's one tenth of your puzzle versus one hundred percent. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you said something that like as we teach our kids about money and the economy, it's almost like don't put all your eggs in one basket. And you yeah. taught that, you know, early, but like you need to apply. Like you can't just have one revenue stream, I don't think, from one thing. That's what multiple gigs would do for you. Right. Like I'm working on multiple projects and multiple projects require multiple work. Right. And so when one closes unexpectedly because, I don't know, the guy who was running it had a heart attack or something. Like I'm not super fucked. Right. Like you have something. You don't want to be the only source right. of cash flow being one thing. If that's you and that's you now, well, okay, then that's you inherited that from the world. But maybe, just maybe, if your kids are there and they're, you know, five, six, seven, eight, thirteen, like there will be a need to be a lot more able to handle 
a change. And that right. means multiple revenue streams, uh, the best way I can describe it. Because if you obligate yourself, which you know a lot of people who are young do, because the only way to get in to get these degrees we want or the training we need is to fucking go in debt to get them, another tragedy of society for right. now. And if we fix that, great. But if not, which is likely it'll be one of those things that kick and scream as a dinosaur pit dying about how much we think we need to saddle young people with the debts of forever. But they will need multiple revenue streams so their obligations don't paralyze them because if they're paralyzed, they don't feel like they can control themselves. They get depressed. And depressed people are fucking everywhere. Right. Everywhere. We live in the richest country in the world and depressed people are fucking everywhere, right? Right. Because you grade yourself on a curve and you should. It's not about, you know, taking the standards of living of... God, let me not fucking hate everybody. Brunindi or whatever, like some fucking <laughs> place, and compare it to how you're doing in America. That doesn't matter to people. People don't even know where that is. That's why right. I said it. But you take account of the people who are fucking six blocks away in the nice house. Or, you know, are the ability to do a different job that you would really want to, but you can't because you're too busy in obligation mode trying to fulfill them. And if I took the risk leaving, I would be fucked. That's another reason to have multiple revenue streams. Right. And that's probably why, I mean, to be honest, that's why both spouses usually work. It's because one working anymore, it ain't fucking good enough, especially if that one working gets canned. Right. Fucked. Right. And that's not good. Not in 2018, because then what? Right. And again, there's barely tears anymore for people. Yeah, they feel bad, but no one's willing to go, you know, really do something about it. You kind of got to pick yourself up and work with people around you a little bit. Right. Right. So, I don't know. Yeah, I would agree. Well, kind of going towards the education front, if you were to change the education system to make kids more resilient um, in the gig economy, what would you change? Oh, my God. It's a separate podcast. But (laughs) I think the first thing I would change is teach, like, pretending like Oh, man, how do I even say it the correct way? What's true today of what kids out of high school should be, like the world, how they should be getting, is not going to be true for the kindergarten starting today. It's just not going to be. And so you can't base your whole curriculum off of today. And I think that's a lot of what happens. It's just like too slow of a change. Like to the point where you can't predict it. I think we talked about it before. You can't predict what it's going to look like. So you can't teach specializations of that stuff. You have to get really in down to, I don't know. I mean, there's some, again, it's a separate podcast about nuance. But I wouldn't, oh, man. I wouldn't emphasize so fucking much on you need to do the fucking rubric. You need to right. graduate Here's high the school. system. Here's you need the to system. Check, 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 graduate check. <laughs> with an A, go to college, get your stuff, get your professional degree, get a house, get the kids, and then you'll be happy. Like, that's not how the happiness works. And there's a lot of people that have done that and realized it's actually not all that a bag of chips, especially when they go into debt to do it. So I would change all kinds of stuff. But again, I don't want to get into all that right now. It's Fair not. Enough. I mean, it put the burden on K through 12, but it goes beyond that. Right. It goes about how we think that people at 18 are adults, which they're not, and how we as society, because we think they're adults, basically treat them like they need to fucking deal with it. 
And I don't think that's the right answer either. There's a lot more mentoring that needs to go on, and probably in all up until 25, 26, if not farther. And so if you're beneficial enough to get good mentors, you can really be successful. If you're not, you're fucked. And I don't think that should be how it goes. I don't think we should neglect people all the way after 18. I think that's a mistake that we make. That's one, that's another nuanced change. But, I mean, you're just not a real adult. I mean, you're able to procreate and, you know, biologically flexible and able, but you're not all the way hardwired up front. I mean, I don't think the frontal cortex matures till later. Right. And even if it did go earlier, you just need a little bit more wisdom, right? So you need good people with good wisdom to give you some ropes before we cut you free completely. So maybe more of a phase, not like 18, that's it. You're either in poverty, you're going somewhere. So fuck you. Like that can't be the answer anymore. I don't think. Right. Especially since most people can't even get jobs at 18 anymore without any, with a college, without a college education. You're crazy. Whoops. Go to code camp, right? If you're lucky. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what I'd change. I haven't thought about, well, I do know a lot of things I'd change, but it's not worth diving into right now. Maybe it's another podcast topic, which I'm sure will come. Okay. Deal. All right, dude, I'm writing that down. Um, cool. Um, so if you were to share any facet of advice to parents out there of what they could do or what they could help their kids do to be either more prepared for the gig economy or better aware of it, what would it be? I don't know. Don't cave to your fear. Get a business license. <laughs> no. Well, yeah. Get a, yeah. No, you're right. Get a business license. That's probably half of it. Don't be scared to be your own contractor because you're probably going to have to. Right. Right. And if, you know, even if that's not true, I mean, have that as a, as a backup, right? When it all goes down. I mean, right. I don't know. Don't give yourself the, like, give yourself a lot of ways to win. It's not about the one shot I got and I can't fuck this up stuff. Like, right. there's times for that. There's times to put your back against the wall. But when you're trying to figure out how to raise a family and get a stuff and do, do, you know, get the, the item that you think you need to be happy this round, right? <laughs> and you were trying to do all that. Like you gotta, can't just be stuck on one, one way. It right. can't be one way. It's gotta be a lot. And I guess never, you know, find like, if you can't say with definitive thing, like what's my purpose for even existing? And that's okay if you don't have it nailed down, but that's what you get better at defining. Like, what am I really trying to do with this? Is my private purpose to raise my kids? Is my primary purpose to be a really good member of society doing this? Is it a little bit of a combination of both? Like if you can't nail that down, that's okay, but you should not think about it. And probably think about it pretty periodically to make sure, give yourself, as we used to call in the military, an asthma check to see where the fuck you are in life to make sure you're not fucking all of a sudden 10 years are gone. You're an unhappy, disgruntled motherfucker working a cubicle. Your kids hate you. Your wife stopped sleeping with you six years ago, and you don't know where to be anymore that's rough you don't want to be that guy <laughs> because those kind of guys go fucking psycho and shoot everybody in the workplace and then everybody has a conversation about what's going on with who knows what that's not about you i promise you that's not about the real reason right so who cares um the the thing i would say is i don't know don't be so fucking scared right it goes back to our scared bro podcast like yeah your fear is way more powerful than i think people understand Right. And it's and, and you know what? Catastrophize. Plan the worst case scenario out. Right? Do it. Right. And then plan the best case. 
and then play the mid case and then understand that it's probably going to be the mid case. Right? right. That's what's really probably going to happen. And then go with that. And if the mid case is unacceptable, fine, then change things. And if it, the worst case is becoming more and more likely, well, at least you thought about it. So you're Put a ready. contingency plan out there. Contingency plan. <laughs> Always be playing it. Right? I don't know. Don't stress, man. Yeah. Don't stress ETS. That's what we used to say in the Army. Don't ETS stress. means you're done with service. Don't stress, man. Just quit. Fuck it. Right? Uh, yeah. That's, people never did, but that's what I said. Well, because it took like a year to do. It's still not over. <laughs> still not over. So I don't know. I, it's tough to give blanket advice because everybody's situation is different. So that's why I try not to do it. It's so fine. I'm just trying to describe what I think the future will look like and rant. Fair enough. Well, you made a comment this. last night that I that was quote worthy. Um, and yeah. as a sign off quote, I'm going to go ahead and say this, but it's specialists used to work for businesses mm. and now businesses work for specialists. Yeah, I think that's more of in the future. It's not there yet. But it's in the transition point, I think. You're right. Because think about it. Who are the big the big dogs of the day? I'm right. Yeah. My quote right. of you. Yeah. Means well, I'm right. Sure. I try to give you credit. <laughs> if you don't want it, that's fine. Uh, I mean, who's the big dogs of the day? You got Bill Gates, you got Mark Zuckerberg, you got Elon Musk, you got fucking Jeff Bezos. Um those are the guys in charge now. It ain't the Rockefellers, it ain't the Vanderbilts, it ain't those guys. Those guys are I mean, they're around. And the old money still exists, and it certainly does. There's a lot of investment firms, everybody else, Peter Thiel and all these guys. Those guys started with tech stuff, right? And they became businessmen. And so what I feel like is with information technology, as good as it is today, and the ability to get a lot of you know, mundane bullshit done with you know, the click of a mouse, right? That specialists, technicians in all kinds of fields are able to do the gig economy. But what they're not able to do is all the fucking business stuff that has been normally required, especially during the transition. So that's what I mean. Like you're gonna like they're gonna start hiring businessmen. People are good at that shit. People that are good at financial forecasting, fucking good at keeping the books right, compliance and with fucking regulations and all this other shit. Like, hey no, yeah, that's great, but you gotta provide this much fucking health insurance to your employees because of all these reasons. People like that are gonna be employed by the specialists that are just trying to fucking do the mission. And that way you keep those guys doing what they want to do. Right. Which is fucking keep talent doing what talent does. Right. And so right. that, that used, how it used to work is big businesses would have the whole admin staff and they still do and they probably still will for a while. But, you know, it's kind of flipping where people are getting smaller entities and doing these gigs and they still need that kind of work to be done. And so, especially if there's a couple, three of them and they're like their own mini company and they keep doing gigs like that. Like you still need pump somebody who knows what the fuck to do with these things. Right. So that's what I mean. They'll hire businessmen. They'll have a business ops guy instead of the businessman running the business with a bunch of tech guys, an IT department. The IT guy will have a business department. Right. That that switch, if it's not already here, it's certainly on the horizon. And that's what people... I mean, there's a niche there for somebody to exploit if they dare. But that's what I think is going to happen. Interesting. I'm with you. Well, cool. Well, with that, thank you all for listening. This was the Save the Parents podcast with Jenny and Adam. Um, if you like our shit, um, check out our our Patreon <laughs> page at uh, patreon.com forward slash save the parents. Um, and we're always excited to hear your questions, comments, feedback, whatever. 
Um, email me at jenny at save-the-parents.org. And we'll look forward to hearing from you at that point. So bye-bye, everybody. Adios.